Good morning, church. Man, it just seems like I haven't been here for a long, long time. It just, uh, whenever I miss on a Sunday, you don't even realize how much I miss it. Um, I know we were busy doing other stuff. A lot of us got to go to the couples retreat, and boy, oh boy, was that amazing. Um, I missed you guys, but man, it was sure fun just hanging out with other people at the conference, but more importantly, it was amazing just hanging out with my wife. We just had an amazing time. I love you guys, but I will give you guys up in a heartbeat for my wife. Just know that. <laughs> you guys are going, really? It's like, yes, really. In a heartbeat. She's way cuter than any of you guys. Oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, anyway, it was just a, a neat, neat time, and I heard... Jeremiah was just amazing the other day. When you, if you guys were here, Jeremiah, the young man who taught, and then Amanda Hudson, she led worship for the first time in front of people or adult people like you guys um, with the guitar, and I uh, heard she was just amazing as well. So I am just stoked. It was it was really really neat uh, being away and just having youngsters run the church. And knowing that we were okay, I didn't worry about a thing. And so it was really, really cool. And uh, Thursday nights, I haven't been able to be here as well, but I'm listening to them online. And so, man, I'm just blown away. And so be here on Thursday nights. Hey, happy Father's Day to all you dads out there, man. Man, oh, man. Being a dad is probably one of the hardest jobs ever. I know that being a mom is really hard, but I'm not one of those. Um, and I give you a lot of props for being moms. But dads, dads have it tough, you know. The, all the responsibility, for the most part, falls on them. And it's not for the faint-hearted, dads. You know, I know you guys know that, but it's not for the faint-hearted. And I know that as dads, we often get a bum rap. Um, and, and deservingly so, because some have and do neglect their their duties, but most of us don't. We take it serious being a dad, and uh, I just want to encourage you men because um, you have the unenviable task of being the instructor. You have the un- unenviable task of being the voice of reason, oftentimes, the one that has to put his foot down, the one that is the final word. And that's the responsibility God has given to us. And uh, I know oftentimes it's not the most popular, um, but we have been called to be men. Um, The book of Proverbs is a great book because, especially to you men, it's it's a book written by a father to his son. And you, you would do well, men, to stay in the book of Proverbs regularly. Uh, You may not have had the greatest example of a father, but this book is written from our father to us to teach us what it means to be a man. And it teaches us how to be men and how to be fathers as well. And so I would encourage you to read it on a regular basis. It will help you to be a good, a fair, and... benevolent dictator in your home. Um, It will help you to be that because that's often who we are in the home. We are the dictator. 
We, we, it all falls on our shoulder oftentimes. And so the book of Proverbs will teach you how to be a good one at that. Um, because again, not, not, it's not the most popular. And uh, I know we have often been accused of being the other kid, the other child in the home. Um, the big kid, yes. And, and, and that's because I think for the most part as I get older, I realize... I will always be a kid at heart. I will always be that kid. I mess around way too much, even as an adult. But that's, I'm just a kid at heart, you know. And, um, and I would say this. Please don't make us be too serious. Because we turn into grumpy old men after that. <laughs> and uh, life is too short to be grumpy all the time. And so have fun. Have fun, uh, man. I, I, I want to leave you with this. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. As Paul is writing to the Thessalonians, encouraging them, he says this, uh, For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day that we may not be a burden to any of you. We preached to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Guys, we are called to be the men in our home. And as men, we are the ones that exhort. And that word exhort means to come alongside and teach as you walk. We are called to comfort. And oftentimes it's different than mom's kind of comfort, where moms go, here, let me kiss the boo-boo. Dads are like, get up, you're not bleeding, go. (laughs) And that word charge that is mentioned here is a military term of giving orders because you've been there yourself. And so do not let the society make a sissy out of you because it's been trying to sissify men for the longest time. Stand up. Be a man. Don't let this world tell you what to do. Let the Word of God guide you. Don't be a fool. Don't be an idiot. Be a man. Be a godly man to your children and for your wife. They deserve a godly man in their home. Let me pray for you guys. Father in heaven... I just thank you for all these men, Lord. They are good men. They try their hardest, Lord God, and sometimes it's just really tough. (laughs) And I just pray for them that, God, you would just uh, surround them with your goodness and your grace. Lord, you would remind them what it means to be a man of God. That you would just allow them, Lord God, the privilege of drawing closer to you so that they can be responsible for their families. That they can guide their families that they would be able, Lord God, to to stand just before others, Lord God, that they would serve their families well and their communities and their churches, Lord Jesus. I just thank you for these men, Lord God. They are often underappreciated, and I just pray, God, that you would just lift them up and encourage them by your strength, Lord, that they would stand firm in this world that comes against them. And so, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for allowing these men to be in my life And I pray, God, that, Lord, you would use me to be an example to them as they are to me. And we thank you, Father. Please bless them. Bless their families. Help them to be just in their families. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Bless you guys. Um, this morning we're doing something a little different. Um, I uh, have the honor of having two men here in our fellowship that we've sent out as a church, and they are here to join us this morning. The first one um, is a young man that grew up in our church. He's one of my boys. I'm really proud of him. Um, he has served alongside of me in many, many ways, and I, I respect him as a young man because he is... Uh, I kind of threw him in the fire last year as I sent him out, knowing that it would be a tough time for him. And as much as I wanted to coddle him, I had to tell him, be a man. And, uh, and he did that. And he, I've been really proud of, of his service and how he's come alongside of me uh, oftentimes and just encouraged me and even challenged me in my life. And uh, he's come home to figure out what God wants to do in his life. We sent him down to Cuenca, Ecuador, and uh, he is in a place right now where he just, uh, he's here. And I asked him to come and share, and then I'll get back up and introduce the next gentleman. So, Matt Campos, come on up, young man. Good morning. The last words of Zeke before he left was said, we'll, we'll ship your body back. Okay. Um, I'm going to pray real quick. Lord God, we just thank you for this morning, Lord. We ask that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. I ask that you would give me your words to say to your people, Lord. We ask for your mercy, Lord, that is new every morning, Lord, and for your grace and for your love, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are faithful, even when we're faithless, Lord God. So just ask for your words now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, go ahead and turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. While you're getting there, I just want to say thank you to everybody for your support and for your prayers. It really meant a whole lot out there. Um, I'm going to try and cover about seven years and 15 minutes of my life. So hang on. Um, I grew up in this church um, for as long as I can remember. I was going to this church sometimes when I didn't want to. <laughs> um, I couldn't get away. <laughs> Um, and I tried, <laughs> but God was faithful. God always sent people to, to bring me back. Um, there was a time in my life where I walked away from God for a little bit when I was in high school. And thankfully, God brought me back real quick. Um, and I remember I was kind of like, wa- kind of wanting to come back when I, hi Brenda, <laughs> kind of wanted to come back, but, um, but didn't, um, and I was sitting where you guys were sitting, and I remember hearing Vince and Marie, Maddie, and Mac, and they're, they're showing a video about England, how they're going to go become missionaries from England. And I was thinking, man, how cool would that be? Like, I could go, and I could travel, and I could help people, tell them about Jesus. And I was, then I was like, wow, wait, I'm not even really walking with God. How can I do that? <laughs> you know? So I was like, so God planted that desire in my heart to be a missionary before I was even really walking with him. <laughs> um, well, so Vince actually gave me a little prayer book. In the prayer book, he gave me these scriptures, and it has become my life verse, my calling in life. And at first, I didn't understand them, and over the last um, six years or so, I've been praying about them, asking God to help me to understand them, and finally, they became real. So it says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. 
Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. The Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms, to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. Verse 17. Therefore prepare yourself and arise and speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed before their faces, lest I dismay you before them. For behold, I have made you this day a fortified city and an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against his priests, and against its priests, and against the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. Obviously, this was the calling of Jeremiah the prophet. But when I read it, I just identified with it so much. And I knew that God was speaking it to me. And I didn't understand it. I was like, I didn't really have the whole faith even to believe it. So I can't say, like, I had so much faith to believe God's promise that I could. No, actually, I didn't believe it. <laughs> and then he made it become true. And then I believed it. Um, so back to when I, to Vince gave me these verses. Um, and the Lord was planning a desire in my heart. Four months later, I found myself in Bible college, which is a whole other story. Um, the weekend before Bible college, I was like, okay, it's a whole, whole long story. I'm not going to tell you. But just know I wasn't following God, and I went from like not following God to like three days later, I'm in Bible college. <laughs> and people were like, did he become an, a priest or something? I don't know what happened to Matt. <laughs> like, um, and I didn't, wanna, I didn't go because I wanted to be in the ministry. I just went because I wanted to learn about God more. And I knew I needed a, a safe place to do it because I always wanted to follow God. I had a hard time doing it, though. I had a hard time getting free. Even though I grew up in the church, I grew up knowing God. I was his friend, and I truly was saved, but I had a hard time really following him until finally God put me in a safe environment for me to, to get roots and to grow. I mean, there, I think the Lord started to solidify the desire in my heart to be a missionary, um, but I, I knew it, uh, it's a calling. You don't just go out and do it. I was waiting for God to call me. In the meantime, he was already doing it. <laughs> I was in England. Um, we were doing street evangelism and um, all over England, over Scotland, we went, to, went to Rome, went to Ukraine, and I'm not bragging, bragging myself, I'm just saying God is, was doing this, and I didn't even realize. He was using me to speak his word to the nations. And it's not because of any faith on my, my part, it's just God's plan. He was using me. So after England, I came home here, taught, taught in the junior high for about three years, um, which was the best preparation for being a missionary you could ever have. <laughs> if you want to serve God, teach junior high. <laughs> Um, and then let's go to Proverbs chapter 16. Verse 9. It says, A man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And I remember like when I was in Bible college being so concerned and even back here, like, God, where do I go? What do I do? I only want to do your perfect will. And most times, because of that, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I just was praying, God, what do I do? What do I do? And so afraid of doing anything that was outside of God's will, I hardly ever did anything. Missed out on some really cool things I could have done. And I didn't believe my Bible college teacher who told me this. I didn't believe him. It's like, that's too easy. <laughs> um, until the Lord had to reveal it to me over a long, long period of time. Finally, basically, God gave me freedom. And not everybody like who becomes a missionary has that freedom. There's missionaries that God gives them a burden, 
and they are called to a certain people, and they just cannot deny it. Um, but that wasn't me. I, um, and probably maybe a lot of you guys can identify with that. You don't actually have this huge burden to go anywhere to do anything. You just know that you're a Christian. You love God. You want to serve him. You know? You can't say that God has given you a vision to go to a certain country to do something. Um, but I knew it says here, a man plans his ways, the Lord directs his steps. So all I had to do was make a plan, right? As long as it lines up with the Bible, like I'm not going to make a plan to go kill somebody because that's against the Bible, right? 99% of God's will is written. Like, God, what's your will for my life? Well, most of it's right here, the 99%. If you do that 99%, the rest, the 1%, will become clear. Simple, right? It's too simple but the Lord directs his steps. God has a plan for your life. You know, and if your plan doesn't line up with God's plan, he's going to and you're willing, you're, you're surrendered, your plan's going to change. And he's going to bring it into line with his plan. How's it happen? It just does. Just be surrendered, just love God and follow him. So, Matthew 28. You've all heard this a million times. It says 28:18 and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Lord gave me this verse and other verses that said go. So I had waited for about three years here, and finally the Lord was saying go. It's time to go. I was like, where, God? Where do I go? And I was praying with Phil. We were getting together praying. I was praying about England. I was trying to talk him into going to England with me. And he was praying for Ecuador. And the opposite happened where the Lord gave me a heart to go to, to Ecuador. And I went there for two weeks and wanted to stay, but went back home. But anyways, the Lord said, go, time to go. I said, okay, Lord, I don't know where to go. I don't, haven't had a vision. I haven't had an angel come speak to me. I haven't heard you say, now shall go to Ecuador and <laughs> preach. No, none of that. I just read the Bible. And it says, go to all the nations. I was like, well, Ecuador is a nation. I'll go there. And if I'm wrong, then I'll go somewhere else. And as soon as it all go, the Lord started putting, it was like the perfect timing. Everything was so perfect. And I waited a long time to make sure the timing was perfect because God's perfect is timing. When he said go, I, I just went, not knowing where I was going. Um, and then I, people started supporting me. The, all the people that I did not ask supported me. <laughs> the ones I did ask didn't support me. <laughs> so God had his way and uh, showed me he can provide for me. So I go there, and I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'll just flip slides, and that's okay, whatever. And I asked the pastor over there, like, what, do you have anything for me to do? He's like, yeah, you can help us. We have an English service. So okay. I don't know what that meant. I didn't want to presume. So we get there, and the first day, he's like, here's your new pastor. I'm like, what? And these guys are all retired people, so they're a lot older than me. You can imagine how humbling that would have been. And thankfully, Zeke gave a message about being humble right before he left me there. Um, and he also had a, the wisdom not to ordain me because it allowed me to do the job without getting prideful. And also, maybe I'm not a pastor for the rest of my life, maybe just for a season. But either way, um, he didn't ordain me, but I ended up kind of doing that job of pastoring and teaching these guys over there. And I can't tell you how explosive and like the worst situation possible it could be to have a church. These are people that are from all over the world, the English-speaking world. So they're from Australia, South Africa, Canada, Jamaica, um, United States, different states have different cultures, by the way. Okay, so you have all these different people from all over the world, and also people that are coming who want to learn English or do speak English, Ecuadorians, Peruvians. We had a guy from Egypt um, there. And trying to get all these guys together and not 
kill each other. <laughs> they have different cultures. They have different ways of thinking. Now, add one more thing to that. Add lifelong convictions that you've built up for your entire life on what you believe on a certain doctrine, or even not even doctrine, just like a conviction, right? So you got Pentecostal, you have Baptist, Episcopalian. One lady asked me if I could please wear a robe. <laughs> I can't do that. I'm just going to go with shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> um, and trying to get all these people to focus on Jesus, to not, not on little things that don't matter. You know, like, I want hymns, or I want to dance in the aisles. And just let's just focus on Jesus and focus on the Bible. That's, that's like contrast that we had there. Some people were, uh, were saying it was, a, it was a sin to sing, it, sing anything but a hymn. And other people, they just wanted to go dancing in the aisles. So you had to bring these two people, these groups of people together who already have different cultures. This is just, we're not even talking about religion. Get them to focus on, on the Bible and on Jesus. Put that explosive situation inside of an Ecuadorian church. Right? The leadership was Ecuadorian. So we were one service crammed between two, di- two different Ecuadorian services. We love things to be orderly and timely. Down there, time is relative. So if it finishes at 10 or 10.15, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> it won't even start until half an hour later. Um, and try and get these guys to be patient with that. It's not their culture. They're not used to that. And they're, they're, not, they're not younger, so change is a lot more difficult. Um, so really, it was like an, a really bad idea. <laughs> Except that God kept it together. God did it. It was his work. And I, and I have to say, like, the future of the church, I think, is really bright. We've gone through a lot of trials. Um, right before I left, the whole leadership walked out on the, on the pastor. So I was walking into, like, this bad situation. And there's a lot of pain that's going through that. Um, there's people that we created, like, a, a, a servant leaders group for the English service. And they missed the whole servant part. <laughs> and they started talking, like, we are the council of the English service. And they weren't. They're just supposed to be like servants, right? And I was the first thing I told them, like, if you want to be a, a leader, you have to first become a servant. And to the point where, like, they started basically wanted to order me to, like, kick certain people out of the church, like, kick this guy out of the church next week or I'm leaving. I was like, well, thank you for your suggestion. <laughs> um, but we're not going to do that. And um, I forgot where I was going with that. So you have to be, and I went and talked to those people that, some of those people left, so we're not, you know, left the, the church. I went and talked to them, and they said, well, we felt like we were being um, servants and not leaders. And I didn't say anything, but it's thinking, that's why you didn't make it. Because <laughs> if you want to be a leader, you have to first become a servant. It's not the other way around. You don't become a, a leader so you can tell people what to do. And, and say, No, it's, you want to be a, a true leader, you have to become a servant of everybody. Um, and there's more, but I won't tell you. <laughs> Long story short, what did I learn? I learned God is faithful. There's weeks where I didn't, I couldn't study, didn't want to study, had no desire whatsoever to study. And I love the Bible. I love the Bible so much. I had absolutely no energy to even open up the Word of God and study it. Until the morning of, and I got, I got to teach in an hour. <laughs> you know, what am I going to do? And the Lord just gives me the message, lays it out. After a service, a guy says, "As like, I've been in the ministry for 50 years. That was the best message I've ever heard. Keep it up. And I was like, I should not keep it up. <laughs> the Bible says to be diligent, to study, right? So that was not a good thing. But God had my back. When I was faithless, he was faithful. He was gracious, not for my sake, for his people's sake, for his name's sake. People had come to the church, they're hungry, they want to get fed. God's going to be faithful to feed his people. You know, they need the word of God. So how do we bring it to all this together? Focus on the word of God. 
I had to leave every all my opinions out. Just teach the word of God. I, I couldn't say any. If I couldn't back it up with the Bible, I couldn't say it. And you know what? No one could ever speak against it because it's God's word. Teaching out of the Bible. It doesn't matter what denomination you're from. It's, this, this is the Bible. Isn't, there's no compromise in it. It's clear. Um, so, all that, God was faithful, even though I was not at times. He was gracious. And... Um, so give your attention to, to Vince. He's got a lot more to share. I tried to keep it short. I don't know how much time I took, but he has a lot of good things to share, and he has been an inspiration to me, and I know he's a, a servant of God, and he's got a, a word for you today. So, Good job, Matt. Oh, my boy's there. Um, this other, I'll call him a young man. He is younger than me. Um <laughs> Just found that out a little while ago. But anyways, be that as it may. This other, other gentleman is a good friend of mine. He's been in our church for quite a while. And it is truly an honor um, to support them, but to, to just have his friendship. Um, he is an exceptional, uh, just man of God who really desires God's will in his life as well. And um, something that... Um, that he exudes as you fellowship with him, just what God has done in his life. He's a humble man. Uh, God has brought him to that place, and God has raised him up to pastor a church in England. Um, we don't have subtitles, um, but he speaks English. Um, but you guys put up with my English, which is kind of Mexicanish. Um, <laughs> but this man. He's, he's an amazing man, and it is my honor and privilege to introduce Vince Prophet. Come on up, Vince. As Zeke said, it is English. I went to this church for many years. Many of you are friends, and it's tough because I'm leaving again. And as I was sitting there, I thought, I'm not going to see most of you again until we arrive at heaven's door. So I'm thankful for that, but it's still heartbreaking. I thought for a long time that one day maybe I'd come back here, come home. And the Lord's revealed to me, this isn't my home. I now live in King's Lynn. And he's revealed to me something else. King's Lynn's not my home either. I'm a citizen of heaven. That's my home. That's why nothing fits. Why I always, I'm like frustrated a lot of the time with what goes on in the world. I don't belong here. If we know the Lord, this isn't our place. I was thankful that I came. I fought it for the longest time. Didn't want to come. But I'm glad I came back. I got to go to the pastor's conference and and I heard one worship song, the first one. And there was like 1,400 guys there, I think, or 13, I don't know, whatever it was. There was a lot of guys there. And the power of the worship, I was like, I broke down crying. See, because in England, it, there's no fellowship. It's dying, if not dead, spiritually. And it's so sad to see but the Lord's doing the work there but it's a slow work it's hard ground but the Lord is stirring the hearts of the people 
be his softening heart. But I have a warning. America is heading the same way. See, the UK is more advanced than America. I love to say that, but, it, but it's for the negative reason. We're more advanced spiritually. This is where the church is heading if we don't get right and get back with the Lord and surrender wholly and totally to him. I love that Matt... By the way, don't ever invite Matt to your house, okay? One Christmas he said to me, hey, I've just let your cat in. I said, I don't have a cat, Matt. <laughs> well, guess what? I do now. <laughs> so every time we sing that song, Hosanna, because that's what the cat got named. I mean, I never named it because I was like, you're just visiting like me. You're not meant to be here. I just think of Matt. And like, Thanks, Matt. But... But it's good to see that young men are being raised up and sent out. And like Matt, he's praying about what's next. Alex and Lindsay are leaving on Tuesday. And it's like, pray for these guys. Pray for these guys. The mission field is incredibly tough. It's incredibly lonely. It can be disheartening. And if the relationship isn't right, it's tough. It's tough. So pray. And pray for us. I come back. I mean, there's prayer cards out the back there from the all three or four of us. Pick one up. It's not a begging for money. It's a begging. Lift us up in prayer. Support us in prayer. That costs nothing. The Lord will take care of us. If it's his work, he'll provide. We, we all hear that. And it's true. But I bought a video which I'll be showing and one thing you can pray about is in King's Lynn. The Americans for the most part are not particularly liked. Now I'm okay because I can get away with it because of my accent. Even though I can think like an American for the most part. But my wife and kids are Americans. So if you think, just lift them up in prayer. It's even more tougher for them. They have that other attack there from the people. But I just want to show a video of the church in Kings Lynn and what the Lord's done in five years. And I'm blessed every time I see it. I just want to cry. life. It was one of uh, very bad depression. Um, even suicidal. Um, before I met the Lord, my life was chaotic. I was insecure about myself and I didn't feel very loved. Um, so it was quite distraught and um, emotionally heartbreaking for me. So I was really um, hopeless and trying to find happiness on the things of the world, even though I, I believed in God and, and I, I, I trusted him, but not with my whole life, um, with only some aspects of it. So I wasn't truly, truly saved. 
troubled without a purpose, well, I wouldn't say without a purpose, but without a higher purpose, without something to I always felt God was close um, and it's brought certain people into my life to try and show me um, the power and the strength that you can have from surrendering to Christ. Um, but before, <clears throat> I would say <clears throat> that my life weren't as fulfilled as it is now. in a piece um, where I'm not so anxious. I still have drama in my life, but my heart actually feels at peace. It was like a whole lead weight of all my sin and past just left me, and it was a miracle. And even my husband noticed in his depressions, he noticed that something had happened to me. There's, there's times, because I, I suffer from poor mental health, there's times when... The Lord, like, your, <coughs> like Pastor was saying, like Dad was saying, all of the things that you carry behind you, you can just take off and give to the Lord and just say, Lord, help me, raise me up, give me strength, give me power. And it's, it's that <coughs> confidence within the Lord which um, can make a real bad day turn out to be okay. And that's one of the most positive things that I could say about accepting Jesus into your life. Since I met the Lord, I now know definitely that I can trust him with my whole life and, and that I have hope because I know that he has something planned for me and I don't need to worry. It's a wonderful little community and uh, every, every time I come to church I always aim to take something away from it and it's never let me down. I've always been able to either get into a chorus of a song or when, you're, when the pastor's up there and he's, he's delivering and he's talking to us about the good book. I know um, if I don't come to the church or Bible study my old habits come back. But very nice. Mm -hmm. We're blessed. Good fellowship. I was telling someone in California, we have it all together there. We have our service. You guys offer tea, and we just fellowship right in the same room. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah, I really enjoy the, the intimacy. Because it's, it's a smaller assembly. Of course, Sunday we're standing room only. Yeah. But still, it's a smaller assembly, and we just we get to know each other because we're just so close. This is now um, my family. You, you know, this is 
because of everything that's happened in my life, this is my closest closest family. If, I, if anything went wrong, um, it's here that I would find help. It's here that I find friends, and it's this is like my um, my secure, safe place. Uh, this is home for me as well. And so where, wherever I go, I, I know that no matter where um, the Lord takes me, this is always going to be my home with these people here. We feel very happy coming to Kings Lynn Fellowship. We feel part of the family. And that's uh, the love of God is um, very evident here. We'd like to thank you for all your prayers, encouragement and support. It's such a blessing and we love and miss you all. I would say that it's, it's a wicked, beneficial experience and I would, I would say to anyone, come along, come along, come along and listen, come along and be relieved, be empowered, build yourself up, definitely. Okay. That's your brothers and sisters in King's Lynn. Um, that was unscripted. My daughter said a week before I was coming back, she goes, can I make a video to take back? I said, sure. I says, but don't plan. I said, plan the questions, but I don't want it all rehearsed. I said, I want people to see the real stuff. In fact, the only thing that got redone was the bit where Marie and I and Maddie and Mac were because we kept laughing. Okay. But the Lord's laid on my heart a message this morning, and it's an exhortation. And I don't have long. And being old, I had to learn to text. Okay. Now, I encourage all of you, read your texts. They can sound incredibly hard and unhappy and... I've read it, people have said to me in my text, are you okay? I go, yeah, I'm fine. Until I read it, I go, oh, wow. That's pretty hard, because I'm just to the point. So now I've learnt smiley face, okay? <laughs> da, 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 smiley face. <laughs> so this morning, the Lord's laid something on my heart, and it comes with a smiley face at the end of it. Okay, so hear my heart. It's not to discourage, it's to encourage but this is what the Lord's laid on my heart since I've been here. And it's not just for you guys, it's for me and to take back to the church in Kingsland. One thing about the church is we're very multicultural, which comes with a whole different load of problems too. I prayed, Lord, not a stuffy white shirt church in Kingsland, please. We have Americans, Africans, Eastern Europeans, Brazilians, and of course English, and I'm sure I'm missing someone else out there, but and, oh, we got the Americans, yeah, so we got a bit of everything, it's a melting pot, and it's beautiful, it's a family. We are, I would like to say, all from different parts of a jigsaw puzzle, which in the world doesn't fit together, which the Lord puts together. And I love it. They're, they're my family now over there. You guys are my family too. But they're my family. I love them. I can't wait to get back and share with them. When I was back here, I got to go to the pastor's conference, as I said. 
The message was, the theme was on Revelation 3, the faithful church. And two things really stood out to me. Verse 8, Jesus knows our works. And verse 11, he's coming quickly. Often, I can live my life like there's always a tomorrow, there's always a next day, there's a next week, a next month, a next year, a next decade. Jesus is coming quickly. The Lord is showing me, you need to get fired up, Vince. The church needs to be fired up. He's coming. We don't have long left. We all say we're living in the last days. Then it should be changing us. There should be a difference in us from last week, last year. We should be more on fire going, okay, time's running out. Time's running out. And the scary thing, he knows our works. We can't hide nothing from him. We can go through the motions. We can pretend. He knows it all. As we were sitting down there, I was reading this bottle of water. Okay? How bad can water be? I've never drunk so much water in my life, by the way, because I'm boiling here at the moment. <laughs> okay. Nutritional facts. Calories, zero. Total fat, zero percent. Sodium, zero percent. Total carbs, zero percent. Protein, zero. I think, that's good. So it's nothing. It's a bottle of air, surely. <laughs> and then I look at the small print. It goes, purified water. Magnesium sulfate, whatever that is. Potassium chloride. I don't know what that is either. Salt. And I'm like, anyway, you just said there's no sodium. Oh, oh then it goes, oh, negligible amount of sodium. So there's a little bit in there. And it says minerals added for taste. Purified by reverse osmosis. Don't know what that is either. I'm not really bothered about that. But the bottom line is, it's not what it appears. As Christians, we can live our lives as something that we appear what we're not. See, we can come to church and be like, hey, how are you, brother? Hey, I'm cool. I'm doing good. And we could be so far away from God and just going through the motions. He knows our works. He knows our thoughts. He knows whether we're playing or whether we're truly following and surrendering. Often I heard Larry say up here, you know, coming to church makes you no more a Christian than being at home sitting in your garage makes you a car. Okay, it's true. Coming here doesn't make us a Christian. Surrendering to the Lord Jesus Christ. Accepting him and his work on the cross. That's what makes us a Christian. Only that. Also, if he is coming quickly and you don't know the Lord, oh man, you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. In this world, people don't like to talk about things like hell. The bottom line is, if you don't know the Lord, you've chosen hell. God's not putting you there. You've chosen it. When Peter, when he was walking on the water, when he saw Jesus, he goes, hey, if that is you, command me to come. Okay, I'm praying, Lord, if someone's in here and doesn't know you, Lord, command them to come. 
Peter walked out of the boat onto the water because Jesus said, come. And if he's telling you to do that right now, you come to him. Step out of the, the boat of your life, the boat of your sin, and you come to him. And you may start to sink as you walk. Just like Peter did. He started to sink and all he said was, save me. It's as simple as that. Save me. Because immediately, Jesus reached down and picked Peter up and put him back in the boat into the safety. So if you haven't accepted it all, you dwell on that this morning and I pray that you just say, save me. Simple, save me. We don't have much time. We can't play church no more. And I mean that, not, I'm not just saying here, I mean worldwide. We need a wake-up call. We've been going through the motions. If we truly looked at our lives, and I'm talking about my own life here, I'm like, have I give 100% to the Lord? No. Have I picked up and taken my own life back? Often. I don't want to do it, Lord. I want to be surrendered. I want you to use me in these last days to further your kingdom. I want you to use me in King's Lynn so that there's more testimonies like that, Lord. Not of what we've done from leaving feeling to go there, because we've done nothing. All we've done is drawn close to the Lord and obeyed him. He has a calling on each of our lives. It was Jim Elliot, the missionary to Ecuador, who said, asked, what's a missionary? And he says, missionaries are a bunch of nobodies doing something for a somebody. We are all missionaries, whether we go to Ecuador, England, or wherever, or we go to Stater Brothers, to Victorville, to Wrightwood. That's your mission field. We are nobodies doing something for a somebody. We've got to stop being nobodies doing something for ourselves and surrender to the Lord. That today would be the day. Today's Father's Day. What a gift to our Heavenly Father to say, Lord, forgive me. I lay my life down afresh. I lay it down. Lord, forgive me. Confess and repent. Allow the Holy Spirit to convict. Get right with God. That's what the Lord's telling me for the message this morning and for me to take back to the church in England. This isn't a game. It is a matter of life and death. We need to step up and step out. So when you leave this morning, you are entering your mission field. And you seek the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do in my mission field? How do you want me to use me? And it may be go and preach the gospel. It may be just serving someone. But I know what one thing that it, it contains is to love everybody. Love never fails. I've had people come to the church in Kings Lynn who just say, I was watching you guys. I've been watching how you act. And they're drawn by the love we have for each other and how we serve the people. And they're drawn to it. We're, the, we're a light. We're a light in a dark place. And it's like a moth. They're like moths. They're drawn to the light. And it's not our light. It's Jesus shining through us and in us. We just have to surrender and get out of the way. 
in, in accepting the Lord, if we've done it, if we've accepted the Lord as both Lord and Saviour, and we love the Saviour part, because we all know we need saving, look in the mirror of your own lives. I'm like, how could you even save me? The person I was. The person I am. How can you save me? And he goes, I love you, Vince, and I died for you. Just receive me. He goes, and all your sins are forgiven. Past, present, future. I'm like, Lord, that is a weighty thing to take on board. Because we still sin. We still sin. So we need confession and repentance as Christians. We need godly sorrow for, for our sin in our lives. We need to come before the Lord and just bow down and say, Lord, break me. Break me of myself. I confess, Lord, I'm, I'm forgiven. I know that. I am forgiven. But Lord, I agree with your will. I am a sinful, wretched man. And Lord, I want to confess and repent of my sins and turn the other way. That's what he wants from us this morning. See, when we accept Jesus, Lord and Saviour, as I said, we love the Saviour part. But he's also Lord. Okay? We, that's not just a title. That's a position. If we call him Lord, give him the position in our lives. See, when, when we accepted him, we were bought at a price. That price was at Calvary when Jesus was crucified for the sin, our sins. We put him there. He died for us. And we surrender our life for his. No longer I, but you, Lord. Paul writes in Philippians 1.21, he says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. When we accept Jesus, it's a death sentence we've accepted. Also, eternal life. See, we die to self, that old nature. We surrender... I surrender Vince, the man, to you, Lord, because there is nothing good in me. Nothing. I'm encouraged when, if there's encouragement where people reject the Lord Jesus. I'm encouraged in Kingsley when people reject, because the Lord spoke to me. I used to get disheartened. And the Lord goes, Vince, they love you. The old Jew, Vince, they love you. You'd be best friends with them. In fact, you'll be leading them astray. He goes, they're not rejecting you, Vince. They're rejecting me. So that's what breaks my heart now. They're rejecting my Jesus, my Lord. But that spurs me on to keep going back because I know what the consequences are of their rejection. If you would, turn to Romans chapter 13. I got it right this time. I was dy I'm dyslexic and I put 14 last time. But Romans chapter 13, verse 11. It's written down, it says, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer, nearer than when we first believed. It's today. Let us wake up today. 
Our salvation is nearer than ever before. Jesus could come back any minute. Are we living our lives in expectancy of his return? Are we doing things which are pleasing to him? I love where Paul says, he says to the Corinthians, I think it's the Corinthians, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I'm like, who can write that? Who can write that verse? I've often told the church in King's Lynn, imitate Vince as he imitates Christ. But don't imitate all of Vince. I'll tell you what bits to imitate. <laughs> Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I'm like, Lord, that's my heart. I want to be able to say that verse. In boldness and in faith, knowing that it's pleasing to you. But the day is near. Could be today. Are we imitating Jesus with our lives? What are we doing with our lives? Are we planning so far ahead for the future, we don't expect him ever to come? And I'm not saying you need to give everything away, that you need to just give everything up. Now, there's wisdom in, in looking ahead, but hold your things lightly. Hold your things lightly. I remember Marie saying, well, one day when we retire, and it was a shock to the system for Marie, because I said, Marie, I said, we don't get to retire. We serve Jesus. There is no retirement. So if we're breathing, we're still working for the Lord. Young or old. And with the stuff the Lord showed me about six months ago, he goes, Vince, why do you always come to me with your, your fists clenched? And it's not in anger. It's not in anger that I do that. He goes, Open your hands and let go. Why are you holding on to stuff? He goes, I may want to take that away. Well, not that stuff. That's mine. And he goes, let go so I can take away what is not needed in your life, what is a distraction from me, which is hindering your relationship and your walk with me. He goes, and I'll put something else there. I will always fill it. It may not be with what you want, but it's what you need. See, so he showed me, Vince, he goes, when your hand's like that before me all the time, I cannot put anything in it. You clenched fist to me. He goes, open up and see what I do. We're to surrender to our Lord, everything. If he's blessed us, praise the Lord. It's yours, Lord. Take or give. Whatever you want, Lord. Whatever you want. Don't we all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? I know I do. And I know you do. I know you do. And as I say, this is an exhortation. This isn't to put people down and like, oh man, glad, glad he came along. Can't wait for another five years. When's he coming back? put in the diary no more <laughs> if you're feeling conviction this morning it's not from Vince Prophet it is from the Holy Spirit let God give in surrender he carries on in verse 12 the night is far spent the day is at hand therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armour of light when you go to the movie theatre 
which I used to do with the kids in Victorville when they had the dollar theatre, because I'm cheap. They used to have the dollar theatre. I would take them just for the air conditioning, my wife and I. We'd put two kids between us, and they'd be like, no, 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 here's your popcorn, here's your coat. <laughs> and we'd just, like, relish being in the air conditioning. But to find the seats in the movie theatre, we used to walk in and go, and then my eyes would adjust to the darkness. And I'd find the seats and sit down. Are our eyes adjusting to the darkness of this world? Are they adjusting? And you know what it's like when you walk out of the movie theatre in Victorville? <laughs> are we shining that bright? Or are we living our Christian walk in the lobby? which is neither dark and neither bright. Many of us are living in that place. One foot in the darkness, one foot in the light. It can't. We can't do it. Jesus is saying, come out to the light. Come out. These last days, we need to be out there more than ever. He says, let us walk properly, as in the day. We mean walk properly, as, as if we're walking towards Jesus. And we can walk in boldness to go, look at me, Lord. I'm okay to walk to you. I'm fine. I'm walking with you, Lord. Let us walk properly as in the day. Not in revelry and drunkenness. Not in lewdness and lust. Not in strife and envy. Not in the things of this world, the things of the flesh. We're to take that off. Verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill, the, fulfill its lusts. With a walk in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, you will, you will not fulfill the lusts of the, the flesh. It is a promise. <coughs> when we come to the Lord and we accept Him as Savior, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Boom. That seal is like a seal of ownership. We, we're owned by him. It's like, who are you? His. That's what we are. We're his. Now, we, if we're not walking in the Spirit, we need to be praying, Lord, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit to overflow. If we're living in darkness, it's like, Lord, I need to surrender to you and confess and repent. And Lord, fill me afresh. See, because what he showed me about going to Kingsland is like, Vince, I want you to plant a church. I'm like, I'm not very good at gardening. If anybody, you don't know me, but I hate gardening. I don't plant anything. I was like, Lord, I don't know how to do that. He goes, good. He goes, when you have that mindset, keep with it. Because when you think you can do it for me, it's not me, it's you. And I don't want it. See, the Lord has a purpose and a plan for your heart and for your life. And it's like surrender to him and he'll show you what it is. And he goes, I don't want you to do it. I want to do it in you and through you. See, the church, what we saw there, it's like, oh, the church is growing things. Your church. It's not my church. I haven't done nothing. I went to King's Lynn for one reason and one reason only. The Lord revealed to me that's the best place for where my relationship with him is going to grow. 
Everything else is an overflow from that. But it's where I am going to see him more clearly and hear him. And I am going to be more surrendered to him there. So wherever you're at with God, find the place where he wants you at the very beginning. It's all about your relationship. And as our relationship grows, the overflow will be we start reaching out. All I do in Kings Lynn, I'm no great theologian. I know that. But I do have one one thing which I thank God for, which he's given me, is I love the people. I just love them. I'm thankful that they're new believers because they don't know any better when they hear me teach. <laughs> so it's good. And they think Calvary Chapel, they think they're the only Calvary Chapel in the world. They have no idea. In fact, when they heard I was coming here, they'd been tell- saying to Mary, he is coming back, honey. You guys aren't moving back, are you? Because we're family. And I was like, Marie, reassure I wouldn't leave them. Not at this point. If the Lord moves me, I'll move. But until then, that's where I am. So let's pray. Our Lord, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the privilege and the honour to be standing here before my brothers and sisters, my family. Lord, I pray that this morning, I pray that each and every heart would have heard from you. Each and every heart would be surrendered to you. Lord, may we start afresh with you today, Dad. May, may our Father's Day present be ourselves to you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray for those who make that decision this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would remind them to hold on because it is a ride of a lifetime with you. And I just thank you, Lord. Bless Alex. And I say bless Lindsay and Matt and anybody else who feels called to the mission field, Lord. Bless Marie, bless Marie Maddie and Mac too. And we just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>